Welcome to episode 89 of the Grace Enough podcast. I am your host, Amber Cullum, and this week I am kicking off a new series. It's a series for parents and really for anyone who has influence in a child's life ranging from toddler to teenager. The next five weeks we'll be discussing vision casting, empowering kids to challenge cultural lies, shaping sexual health, pop culture parenting, and cultivating a safe place to talk with your children. Each episode has been recorded, and I know without a doubt you will be better equipped to walk with the children in your life after this series. With that said, if you aren't subscribed to the podcast, go ahead and click that plus sign or subscribe button so you are notified when the next episode drops. Off the series with Meg Gleesner, who is a mother to eight children and grandmother to five. I asked Meg to come on the show and talk about the value of casting vision in our families. It is a topic she is passionate about because she has seen the fruits of it in her own family. Today, she shares some practical ways to cast vision, how it empowers your children to focus on the big picture and the unity it can bring. Meg shares so much wisdom with us. So without further ado, here is episode 89 with Meg Gleesner, Family Vision Casting. Good afternoon, Meg. Welcome to the Grace Enough podcast. Thank you, Amber. I'm so excited. This is a treat. I have been binge-listening binge Grace Enough in detriment to my sleep. Oh, Girl, you know I love it when people say that, and it's always fun to have somebody on the show that while not my real life, in real life friend, um, you are my internet friend and a source of encouragement to me, so thank you so much for today. Yes, thanks for having me on. I love being part of your podcast family. Yeah, well, go ahead. Introduce yourself. Tell everybody about the plethora of children that you have, <laughs> and then tell us a little bit about what you do. Hey, I, I, we only have eight kids. Have you heard of the <laughs> show Eight is Enough? Anybody who's from that generation is like, Eight is Enough, ever heard of that? Yeah, I've heard of that. So <laughs> my husband, Mike, and I live in Seattle. What about three is enough? Because that's where I am. I'm like, three is enough. Yeah, one is, no more. one is over the limit. And I remember when we had three kids, I was like, well, I've got two hands and we have three kids. So <laughs> how am I ever supposed to go grocery shopping with three kids, two and under? My husband actually bought us a triple stroller where I had one seat. And that's the only time I could leave the house. So yes, one wow. is a lot. Two is a lot. Three is a lot. Eight is uh, a whole lot. <laughs> More than a blessing and at times yeah. overwhelming. So yeah. my husband and I, we live in Seattle, Washington. We have eight kids and just found out a couple days ago our daughter Havila is pregnant with her second. So we have grandkid number five on the way. Oh, congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. And we're just serving the Lord here in quarantine with our family about to drop off some kids so our bonus quarantine kids to college and we have a daughter starting off as a nurse at a hospital after graduating you know covid wow. at home style wow that is crazy and so what are the age range of your kids our oldest is 30 and our youngest is 14 and they're scattered all all over the place we this fall we'll have just two left a 14 year old and a 17 year old so yeah 
Okay. And does everybody live pretty close to you guys? Uh, nope. Our, our oldest is in Eastern Canada. Our second's in Fairbanks, Alaska. The third's in El Paso. Our son is in San Diego. And then we've got one in Oregon, one in uh, Eastern Washington. So no, they're all wow. over. Can someone please stay close so mama can love on them a little bit more? <laughs> That's right. Because I was just... I just aired an episode with Trisha Goyer today, and she is a mom of 10. Now it's biological, and then she's adopted several through foster care, but only one of hers has gone far away. And I thought, wow, what a gift, because that is, in this day and age, I feel like that's really unheard of. It is so true. And it would be a blessing to have them close. And I have an older lady friend of mine who has had kids close and far away. She said, the cool thing about kids far away is that when you go visit, you're the only grandma at the birthday party. You know, That's right. you are the only one there. And so I have found blessing in that just to get to immerse in their lives and come alongside and help. It's, it's, that's great too. Yeah, yes. I can understand that because both of our families are out of town. And I will say when they're here, it's nice because it's like we really are doing life together. You know, it's not just, hey, pop in for the two-hour babysitting gig and then go home. Although I would love it if I could just drop my kids off at grandma's every now and then. And I would love that too. Are you kidding me? That's Having right. a day with my grandkids is the best. That's right. Well, let's jump in. And I always love to start my episode with just people's stories, a little bit of how you came to know Jesus, because today we are talking about casting vision for your family. And you are someone who has done that very well and is also very passionate about that. So share a little bit of your faith journey with us, because I'm pretty sure you didn't grow up in a Christian family. So tell us a little bit about that. So we really didn't grow up with any faith. There wasn't any talk about God. We never went to church. And my parents, it was a, just a ill, ill-fitting relationship from the beginning. It was volatile. Uh, there was there was abuse, there was alcohol, they divorced when I was little, then it was, you know, living with my mom and different boyfriends, and it was just, my childhood was pretty messy. In my, in our home growing up, there were so many strikes against, against me, and so, so many things, and my mom, because she had been so physically abused, I think she went really internal, so she was kind of neglectful. And then my dad was an angry alcoholic, drunk. So yeah, in my home, there wasn't a lot of vision cast. There was never, there was a lot of violence. There was a lot of wrongdoing happening, and there wasn't any apologies. So the environment I grew up in was, I was fearful, I was insecure. The people that are supposed to love you and care for you the most you can't mm. trust. And so, yeah, that's the home. But there was, of course, good things like, hey, I learned to be good at games. Don't play me at Scrabble. Um, and so, so some other things like that, where, of course, there's there are some good takeaways yeah. from my childhood. I learned to play volleyball with my dad, some other things. But it was it was a rough start for sure. Yeah, well, and when you talk about things like your family not really feeling like that safe place when you have when you live in that flight or fight mode all the time it's just really stressful and damaging to the soul I feel like it really is and I think for that reason 
God knew who to put me with for marriage because I married, you know, yeah, I know everybody out there's got, you know, great husbands, but there's a variety. Everyone's, everyone's got trials in their life, right? Life is not easy for any of us. And for me, my husband has not been one of my big trials. He has been like a source of seeing what God's love looks like when you do something wrong. He's not like waiting to tell me how I embarrassed he has never been a sense, always a sense of acceptance and love. And when you can learn that from those in your life, maybe you have a mentor. If you don't have parents like that, you find someone who you can really see the love of God through God's people. And I'm grateful for that, though. You know, I didn't get it growing up, but starting off in marriage young, I feel loved and like God's healed that insecurity mm. and lack of love in me as a grown in my walk with him too, just reading the scriptures. Yeah. Well, when did you meet Jesus? How did you come to know him? Not growing up in a family of believers. There was a girl in my English class in high school named Sonia, who was very sweet and welcoming. And one day after a dance, I just kind of just shared all my stuff with her. And I'm like, Oh no, what is she going to think? I have problems. And and uh, she invited me to hang out with her friends and I started going to campus life and I was hearing about Jesus for the first time thinking, wow, this is interesting. And one night after a dance, I was hanging out with a group of friends and at my, my friend's house, we're sitting in her bedroom all in a circle and this guy opens the Bible and shares the gospel. And he says, who would like to would anyone like to give their life to the Lord? And I was like, me, I, I want to, yeah. I want to get saved. And I gave my life to Christ that day when I was 16 years old as a junior in high school. And, you know, different than probably most people, I've had to start off my life of faith with a lot of major choices. Mm -hmm. I went to tell my dad that I was a Christian and he had said, Meg, I'm the one who puts the food on the table. I'm the one who pays the rent. There is no room for God in my house. And I just didn't want to tell him I was a Christian. And so then you, you move that forward to college. And that guy, Lance, who led me to Christ, I carried his Bible and I'd read it with everywhere. And I'd bring it to work and read it in the break room and have like a little dove pins. Like I was really excited about being a Christian. And being God's child and I didn't had never even been to church and I was so excited and some friends in college invited me to church and I went and I thought wow this is so amazing I want to go again and I went to tell my dad and my stepmom one day and I said I I went to church and I I really liked it and they said well if you want to go again you are not welcome to live in our house and how old and were you at this point? 17. Wow. And you were living with your dad at that time. You were not with your mom. Yes. I was living with my dad and they, they drew the line in the sand. And my dad told me exact words. I would rather you told me you were on drugs than be a Christian. It's a bunch of BS. It's a bunch of propaganda. And he was so angry. And I, I sat there and thought, should I want to go to church again? Is it important enough where I would make that decision to not be able to live here? And I had been hiding my Bible, yeah. Amber, when 
my dad would walk by. He, he was sober at this point, but he was really angry. And we all walked on eggshells the entire time we lived with him. And anyway, I thought, I don't want to keep hiding my Bible. And so I, I told my dad and stepmom, I, I would like to go to church again. And they said, well, you know what that means? Two days later, I left. They didn't let me say goodbye to my siblings. Wow. It was a rough start to faith. But so worth it. So many people in my life at that time have gotten saved as a result of that choice. My sisters, my mother, wow. my brother was on the skids with drugs. He started coming to church with me. And I, and I step back because it's not me, it's God. But what you see God can do mm-hmm. with a life, and it's like this whole ripple effect. And now we've got, you know, my husband and I starting off with plant, we, we uh, met in California and we um, planted a church in Seattle. Um, our daughter just turned 29 two days ago when I was pregnant with Hannah uh, wow. 20, 29 years ago. And we've been serving the Lord since, and I'm, and I'm grateful. Well, and I do, I want to get to this topic of vision, but... You know, I feel like you kind of leave, I can't leave our listeners, you know, hanging on the edge of the cliff because I know a little bit more of your story with your dad, but where are you with him now? Well, it's been a long journey with my dad and I think with some family, because everyone's got different kinds of family, it's it's loving people through, the t- through time. And my dad refused to go to my wedding uh, mm. because it was a Christian wedding. And I would just, I've just kind of loved my dad over time and been there and just know God's working. I still pray for his salvation. But a few years ago, he and my stepmom ran on hard times and they lost everything financially and had to declare bankruptcy. And then they actually ended up divorcing. And my dad had nowhere to go. And we're like, dad, why don't you come live with us? And he, a couple years ago, drove right up. And without hesitation, we had him come live oh, with man. us. And he lived with us for a year. And it was it, it was a blessing. And I, I couldn't help noticing God saying, hmm, let's, let's do something with your home. And, you know, the one who kicked you out, you're now yeah. welcoming in. And all of my kids, they know Grandpa Freddie, and they know the history. And they felt blessed to have him in the house too. Wow, that's such a gift, though, from you, Meg. Like, I mean, we're going into talking about vision and really, could you have done that without being so focused on the Lord and saying, you know, God, you've given us a vision to love people no matter what, because that's really hard to do. <laughs> I mean, I'm speaking from, I don't have the same situation as you have, but I do, I don't know that I could do that faithfully, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Well, we each each have something different that we're offering, right? And I, I can tell you, my dad is proud of me, and he's yeah. actually closer to my husband than uh, besides his son, any other man on earth. He loves wow. us so much. He sees our faith, and he admires us, but he's still an atheist, and he's still shaking his fists at God. But I know there's somebody inside of there that God is working on his heart. And I want to be part of seeing him get saved. Absolutely. Well, and it's been this journey of, you know, he went from not being able to almost stand looking at you because your profession of faith to a place now where it sounds like he enjoys to be in your presence, even though he doesn't agree with what you believe in. And that says a lot. 
you know, we had a house church and my dad came to visit the first time and he I was showing him the house and he paused at the threshold where we had Bible study and prayer meeting. And he said, Meg, there's, there's something different. Like, I don't know. It's really weird. I'm sensing a peace. He said that? Who would never step. Yes. Place in a church said that in my home. Whoa, that is so, that's incredible. That's incredible. Well, tell me with you and your husband, like when, And what really led you guys to decide to be really intentional about this vision casting for your family? Like, take us back to when all of that started. I was talking to my husband, Mike, this morning. He's working at home like so many of the, so many of everyone. And he said, Meg, it's not in the worldly sense, like we're casting a vision, like, okay, let's start a business. Now we're going to have a whole vision for the business. He said, what we're doing is there already is a vision for heaven and what God's doing. And we're trying to help bring that into our home. So I think our vision started with just when we were both single and what's our life about. And in the day he proposed, my husband, I didn't even know he was doing this, but he said we were sitting down and a picnic and he opened the Bible and said, Meg, this is, this is what, I really want my home to be about, to be about service and blessing and that we're strangers and pilgrims on the earth. He's like, what do you think of that? And I said, amen, that sounds amazing. And then he proposed to me about 10 minutes later. And you know what, Amber, that is kind of the foundation of the values that we have in our home. We still have a little plaque with those three things. And so vision starts with what do I what do I see? What is, how has God uniquely visioned me? And it's going to look different than how he's given you the vision. But for our home, it's, our home is a place of service and blessing and always remembering that we're pilgrims and strangers here on the earth. Yeah, well, and I think, you know, even though it's not just like a business casting a vision, I think sometimes having that image in our brains is so helpful because, you know, a business is so much more successful if they have a vision and they go after that vision. And if you are a good leader, you're constantly coming back to that vision and pointing your employees back towards what the big picture is. And it sounds like that's the exact same thing that you have done in your family. You know, you're, you're my children and this is the big picture. Come back and pay attention to this. Would you say that's kind of how you guys have functioned as a family is, is, you know, always pointing everybody back to those three kind of pillars? Yes. And that's a good way of putting it. And so, you know, we've had like family meetings since they were little to say, you know, who are we about? What is, what does God want where you're sitting here saying exactly what you were saying, pointing back to things that we believe and value as a family hear you say that you had a family meeting and that is something in our home that we have still not started doing but family teams which is a kind of a program that we're a part of really encourages that do you remember really you know kind of the rough age of your kids when you started that and maybe a little bit about what that looked like early on and has I know that's a lot of questions and kind of how that's developed because I am super interested in what that looks like in a family with 10 people 
Well, we started from when they were very little. We actually, before, before we had kids, we had six college students living with us and we would go through a book together and talk about how can we serve God? How can we, you know, honor God? We'd go through a chapter and talk about it and then have a prayer time, that sort of thing. And we just continued that with our kids. So, you know, like Amber, like with you, your kids, your, your kids age, it's the perfect time to start a family meeting. And it's, again, it's doesn't have to be fancy, you know, and people aren't out there may not be as purposeful people, but you see something. There's something you see about your walk with the Lord. There's something you see about your home values that are super important to you. And you can sit around as a family and either pick a book to go through or just read a, read a scripture or read a kid's devotional that goes along with that. We would do that with our kids when they were younger and we would stop and say, all right, now let's, let's read this. And for us, what we picked is the constitution, if you will, of our home. I think that's great. Romans, Romans chapter 12. So one of the things in there is, is show hospitality. So we ask kids, how can we, how can we show hospitality? You get the kids involved, Amber, and you say, what is, what is hospitality? That's a big word. Oh, well, you know, and you see what's on their hearts, what's on their mind, what do they see about it? And you say, okay, it's showing, showing uh, our home to others and helping reach out. And so then you, you say, well, how can we do that? Oh, we could have a dinner where we have people. Yes, I like that. Or, or let's go serve dinner at, for Thanksgiving at the shelter, you know, some things they're not going to think of, you can think of. And so we do that every year. We go serve at Thanksgiving uh, at, at the Operation Night Watch and our kids come in town just to do that with us wow. to serve. And so when you set that tone, another thing we've done is have a family work day, you know, okay. like, oh, what are projects that we need to get done so that you're working together, you're fellowshipping together, you're talking together, you're being, building team unity. And then you can also talk about working hard or something with the scriptures. It just lends itself to lots of daily conversations. Well, so would your family work day, did it kind of come out of these family meetings and discussion about it? Definitely. And it, again, it goes back to the thing of what is something that's important to you? And my husband grew up on a farm in Minnesota and working hard is important to him. So you things that you're passionate about, whether it's hiking or something different, you can, you know, bring the kids into that. Well, and it's, I mean, I know I, I'm getting myself off track because I get excited about this kind of stuff. But I think about things that listeners may ask, particularly listeners, you know, did you have teens that were really involved in other activities? And did that, you know, I guess being flexible with this family meeting what did that look like in their teen years? Was everybody always present? Did you just kind of have to go with the flow? What did, did that look like a little bit? I think as you cultivate this idea of this is what we're doing when they're little, our kids have never, and it probably sounds funny with eight kids, they've never said, I don't want to go to church or mm -hmm. I don't want to go to the family meeting or work day. I think when you take that extra time to build that environment of love and teamwork, and we're all serving God together when they're young, that carries into their teen years. And as they've gotten busier in teen years, one thing it's looked like for us is we don't have as many of the family meetings, all of us together, but we figure out, 
hey, how can we spend time together? So with sports and all the things, we started having family devotions Monday through Friday in the morning yeah. where we just sit and open the word together or pray for the world or we'll say, hey, Jordan, do you want to bring something? Um, or Mike will say, Elijah, what have you been getting in the word lately? So it encourages them to want to be in the word without saying, go have a quiet time, right? You don't want to force spirituality, but they see you with your open Bible. They see you when you're driving on the road and there's a car accident and mom pulls over and says, let's pray for them because mm. that changed their day, mm. you know? And then they see you when you're driving in the car on the way to church and you say, I am so excited. This is the best time of the week is praising God with his people. You know, let's pray for the leadership today. Let's pray for the pastor. Let's pray for the small groups and the high school group. And then on the way home, hey, what did you get out of, you know, the preschool time? Did you have fun with your teacher, you know, in the middle school? What did, what was the lesson about? Or did you, was there a friend that you cared about? And so as you bring these conversations into your life, you know, this is what some of the gold is with the teenagers. And so mm. our teens love sharing, oh, this is what I got from my small group. Or this is what the message was about, and it just encourages more of God's word and loving him. Well, and I love that response of just ask them what they learned, because so often we compartmentalize, you know, church is separate from home life, is separate from school, is separate from, um, you know, the sports or activities that you do. But like you said, if you set that goal and that um, vision early on that, no, like we're a family team here and it's from here that we go out and do all of these things. And then we're going to actually talk about all those things because they all interact together it is so important. And I just have seen it time and time again. The more we compartmentalize things, the more like shut off we are from our kids and they are from us. Yes. And you know, Amber, what, no one's going to be setting that direction for our kids and for our home. I mean, they might help your kid be better at sports or music, yeah. or they could be a great come alongside person at church, but really the responsibility kind of is, is on us to, it is to set the direction and vision for, for the family and with the kids. Yeah, and I do, just like anything, we have a Shabbat meal on Friday night that we've just started doing this year. And again, I mean, I've said this and people who are probably listening get tired of it, but that's okay because the idea is, okay, it's not just a normal weekly dinner. We sit around the dinner table all the time, but there's something about that Friday night that the kids just get a little bit of a different attitude because it's a rhythm that we're in and they just kind of know like we're going to spend some time really talking around the table. It's not just scarf down our food and get up and run away, <laughs> <laughs> but it, it is different. So a family meeting, I could see that once you get in the routine of it, it's almost like they don't just expect it in some ways they may look forward to it. Exactly. And so there's scheduled times like that, but then there's spontaneous things like every time we go school shopping, I say, hasn't God been good to us? Let's, let's just pray that he helps us to use the money wisely. When a kid starts at high school or middle school, you pull up to the curb and say, you know, 
I wonder what God's going to do when you're here at the school. Isn't it? Let's just sit and think about this for a minute. And actually, actually tonight, um, before our kids go off last night, the kids were like, mom, you pick what to do. What do you want to do, mom? And I said, well, how about we sing the song? They've been working on the song summertime and they've been singing in harmony for the kids. And it's beautiful. My husband and I were sitting on the deck. We could hear him. Of course, I'm sitting here like crying. But I said, I want to hear you guys sing that song. And I would love for each person to share a verse of what they're looking forward to for the fall. Something that's going to be that you're really going to hang on to this fall. So that when I have a kid five hours here and the other one there. And again, stuff like that brings you together. And they're like, that sounds great, mom. So tonight we're going to be doing that. Or um, a couple of months ago, a month ago, I just said, so let's look back at quarantine. What was what was the hardest part for you and what are you carrying into the fall? So the, those things that are on your mind spur the moment when you stop right. and just take that moment because we're all tired and life's hard and everyone's busy, but it's not something that I want people to think you have to go have this big rigorous plan to do everything perfect. That's right. Start somewhere and respond to your heart and your walk with the Lord in the moment for what you have. Wow. Yes, I agree. Well, and I want to say a quote that Andy Stanley said. He said, vision is the tension between what is and what ought to be. And so how do you feel like having a family vision really helped you and your children? It really makes all of the difference. And it's something you're always reviving, revising. Again, it's not perfect, right? Like, for example, one thing we have is a job list. We call it a stewardship list. And the kids make it and they put a verse on it and everyone's names on the list because you have at the family meeting, hey, everyone's got their jobs. What's dad's job? Well, he's working and mom's doing the groceries. And what's your job? Oh, well, I'm going to be vacuuming the floor. So it's like this team, everyone, hey, this is my contribution. This is what I'm doing. But if you looked at my list, you know, they're supposed to check it off. I'm supposed to follow up and give them a consequence if it's not done or talk with them. It is not perfect. It's not perfect. But the important thing about it is we're going forward. So we're working on being faithful. We're working on being whatever you do, work at it with all your heart is working for the Lord, not for men. We're, we're working on getting there and improving. So vision, kind of what he was saying is it's going somewhere. We're getting closer to that. Yeah. Well, and if you don't have a vision, you're, you're getting closer to something no matter what. Right. (laughs) But it's definitely, I mean, I'm learning it too. Like even today, I just, I didn't really have I realize not everybody's a list person and I'm not all the time, but I can tell you when I don't know what I need to get done for the day, I get to the end of the day and I got very little done. (laughs) You know, I mean, I think it's natural. And so that is, that's why you do see businesses casting vision because they know that's true. They know that we all need vision. Well, so for the listener who may be feeling like that nudge to kind of step into this, and go ahead and maybe cast some type of vision or mission or just take that next simple step. What are some simple steps that you could encourage them to do? I think the most important thing is to sit down as a couple and some of you, maybe you're a single parent, then just take a moment aside, get a babysitter, go to a coffee shop, spend some time saying, what is most important to me? What do I want 
to do. Maybe you really are passionate about service, then plan a service project with the kids, get them involved and say, is there somebody who we should bless? Is there an older person at church? Or how about one of our neighbors? Do you get them thinking how you do about the things? Maybe you're a little introverted. And so you're not going to, you do something behind the scenes, like gather some canned foods. I actually, my kids are doing that now. They're shopping for our compassion center at our church. They're shopping to get food and stuff and also our little neighborhood food pantry. So you get them involved in the process with your heart and say, is there somebody we can bless at church? Maybe there's an older person. Is there someone, how about a neighbor? And you get them thinking about what's on your heart. You could go through a book together. We have gone through with our teens, and this may sound like a funny choice, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Not to and me. We, we sit need that. Down. <laughs> yeah, right? They have the kids' it, version. My kid reads the kids' version all the time. Really? Yeah. Really? That's yes. so cool, Amber. And you know what? Now our grown kids are reading that together and sharing each other their own mission statements. Wow. My my kids have their own full mission plans. And those things that you teach them, they remember. You can have uh, a dinner night. One thing we did in the summers is plan, each kid plan a menu for the week. I love and it. And then we'd, we would pick one country and have a missionary. Uh, how can we pray for that country? So they make the food, they plan the food. And they give a little report about something they can pray for for the country. So there's a lot of ways to cast vision, to get your kids involved with your heart in serving and honoring God and blessing our neighborhood. Yeah, well, and something that I'll never forget, I interviewed Rebecca Smith, and she's the founder of Better Life Bags. And she is big, big, big on mission because she's like, that's kind of how my whole business started. I mean, that's not why she's passionate about it, but it's definitely something that drove her business. And she said, you know, our vision, like mission statement for our family is very simple. It's love God and love people. You know, we hear that all the time. But she said, when I go back to that in my mind, when my youngest son spills milk on the floor, instead of just going off on him, I can think about, okay, in the grand scheme of things, does this affect how he loves God and how he loves people? And the answer is no. And wow, that struck me, Meg, because I thought, hmm. I'm that person that gets totally annoyed by the spilled milk. I mean, it's so cliche, but it's so true. And then when she said that, I found myself the next time it happened going, this does not affect my kids' ability to love God and love people. And if it doesn't, there is no reason for me to react or to really be, you know, have a long, drawn-out conversation with them about this. That is such a great point. I love that. And, I mean, with eight kids, too, are, are you kidding me? There's so much real life and fussy attitudes. And the kid who doesn't want to clean their room, the kid who hates taking direction and takes 45 minutes to do dinner cleanup. So you have all oh, that. Girl, I got one of those. Sorry, that gets me tickled. She takes her 45 Whew. minutes to do anything. I'm like, come well, on. We'll talk. We'll talk later. <laughs> and having them love each other. My goodness, there's so many of those things. But again, you come back to now, how does God want us to treat one another? And how does God want us to work? And you can bring that up. When do you bring stuff up? Not in the moment. We're not, if we're, all we're doing is putting out fires all day long. Don't hit your brother. Why did you? No, that's casting a vision happens in the non-confrontational moments when the kids are their best versions and they want to participate. Wow. And then you go back to what they said 
remember how we said, who remembers what we said we were going to work on as a family this week? Uh, loving each other and the kids remember. Right. How is this interaction going to look different when you played Monopoly and threw the board on your brother's head? <laughs> oh, it's too all soon? too familiar, Meg. It's all too familiar. <laughs> but that is so good for me. And I know that for people listening, because so many people who are listening have young children, and it's never too late to start. But if you do have young kids, like now is the time, right? I mean, it is the time. Well, since you have practiced this for years, you know, through these various stages of motherhood and just through life, because you said before you even had kids, you were doing this. What are some final words that you would really like for the listener to take away and for me? Because as everyone knows, I need it as much as anyone listening. First, I would say God's grace is enough, right? Mm. God's grace is enough for eight kids and five grandkids. Amen. It is enough for COVID and quarantine. It is enough for you, right? It is enough for people that are in stage four of cancer as a mom. Mm. God's grace is enough. There is no formula. There is no perfect parenting book. God is big God is working, and the greatest thing we have is what he is, is him, the Lord, and what he has given us in our hearts. Maybe some people don't even live near family. Maybe some people are, their husband's not a Christian, or their wife isn't, and they're trying to figure this, God is enough. Mm. He is working, and God is big, and I think that's, for me, one of the greatest lessons of my life, because now my kids are older, and, you know, they're, well, I got a lot of kids in different places in their faith journey. Yeah. You know, there's, there's a lot of variety, but what guides my heart still to this day is the vision that the God, God gave my husband and me. I am his child. He is working in me. He is working in my family. He is big and he is preparing a place for us. And we just want to keep serving him mm. and loving him and bringing others along that path too. Oh, Meg, thank you so much. You're, you're not only an encouragement to me, but you're also, you know, a wise mother who loves Jesus that um, encourages me in that regard too. So I'm so grateful um, for the person that you are and the mom that, you know, you show yourself to be even in my life. So thank you. Amber, you're a blessing. And I'm grateful that I could share this with your listeners. Well, as we close out, you didn't share early on the name of your podcast. And so share that as we close out and tell everyone where they can connect with you. My podcast is called Letters from Home. And we seek to get stories, everyday extraordinary faith stories out to you. So if you, if you ever need a boost or encouragement while you're out and about and you want to hear how God has worked in someone else's life, that's one thing that encourages me. Because, you know, in those days when you feel like I can't even, that's I right. don't get it, <laughs> I can't deal with my pain or my this or that. So um, you can listen on lettersfromhomepodcast.com in all the places where Amber is, you know, my <laughs> podcast is there too. And, and I actually have something super cool. There's a free app in the app store where all my episodes are just kind of in one neat little package. That's so cool. And people can get that on the, in the Apple app store. Yes. And in Google play. 
Awesome, girl. Well, and yeah, I mean, an episode, I love plenty of yours, but that I would recommend is Meg sat down with our friend Sean, and the first part is out right now. By the time this episode goes live, both parts will be out, but um, Meg and Sean McCoy are both dear friends of mine, and he talks a lot about just his childhood, and you guys, it really is, there's just a lot of wisdom and encouragement there, so um, go over and check it out. But Meg, thanks again for being here today. I'm really grateful. Thank you, Amber. Well, hopefully you are finishing today's episode with a few new ideas you can incorporate into your family culture. As we close, I want to remind you to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite listening platform. I also want to ask if anyone comes to mind that you think would be encouraged by today's episode. If so, will you share the link with them via text message, email, or on social media? Listeners like you sharing episodes with their friends is how Grace Enough can continue to impact people's walks with Jesus. Thank you again for listening, and I look forward to seeing you back here next Tuesday as I talk with Hillary Morgan Ferrer about how we can empower our kids to challenge cultural lies. Thank you for listening to the Grace Enough Podcast. Tune in next time!